Hey, this is your host, Paul Espinosa Jr., and I'm here to remind you that if you have access to iTunes, we ask that you rate and review the show. That way, we'll be able to climb the charts and continue to deliver bigger and better guests so that we can continue the educated hustle journey. And now, let's start the show. Welcome to the Educated Hustle Podcast. This is your host, Paul Etuder Jr. and my co-host, Emilio Porter. Emilio, what's going on, my friend? It's going good, man. It's going good. 2018 is here in full effect. We are right into January as the month is passing by in an instant, it seems like. Just I feel like the ball was just dropping and now we're already going into, what, our third week of it. So it's like crazy how time flies. I want to give a special shout out to some people educated new year hashtag we talked about it last week um we wanted our guests to kind of give us an idea of what their goals and that pitch for for 2018 and help reaffirm it and then we would basically shout them out on episode today so i want to give a special shout out to two special people who've interacted with us first one being mr damian horn an educator hustle alumni he's a musician a very talented man someone that works hard and he always shows love his 2018 resolution was he's trying to travel he wants to go to ireland and brazil and he wants that to be the next stamp as passport that is incredible both of those places are amazing especially i'm i'm a big fan of brazil i would love to go back uh the second person that i want to also shout out is mr bob sager another educator hustle alumni his exact words are you know guys i'll be focused on accomplishing more this year than last you either growing or you're dying Bob is an older gentleman, but he still comes across at times like a young man just ready to get more and hungry. And we just want to spend a special shout out to both those guys because they really encompass what it means for Educated New Year. And we hope that they allow us to be part of their journey as they grow for this 2018. I agree, man. Um, so, yeah, the, the the people that shout us out, obviously, they were on the show before. Um, Damien's still doing his thing in music, like you said. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob... I didn't get to shout this out on the podcast, but he actually dropped a book uh, called Living a Wealthy Life. Uh, and he, you know, kind of compiled a bunch of people to write this book together. So if you can, make sure you follow him at Sager Bob uh, on Twitter. He's pretty active on there. If you want to download and get his book, uh, I'm sure, you know, it'll be an excellent read. Exactly, exactly. Now we got to move on to some topics. Paul, as you know, the topic guru, he's got a few little quick little things to hit on before we let you know about the heat that we have coming up with this interview. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, I definitely want to touch on some topics for the new year. Uh, my number one topic here today is that healthcare has actually uh, surpassed retail and manufacturing as America's number one top employer. Um, the main reason, you know, healthcare has surpassed uh, these top uh, industries is because there's such a, a huge demand as people are living longer nowadays. They're obviously going to need healthcare for, you know, an extended period of time. So, you know, the industry is growing. Uh, they're hiring a lot more people. So if anybody's unsure of a career or is having trouble finding something in, in, in an industry that, you know, seems to be dying out or uh, seems to be going in the wrong direction, you know, take a look in healthcare, man. I mean, it's going to be something that is going to continue to grow over the next 30 years. 
and it seems like a pretty secure job for anybody who's looking to uh, just work in the industry. Yeah, man. I, and I mean, in college, I kind of noticed that trend went upward because I know a lot of people, you know, switch to the nursing or, or to be a part of some field of healthcare. care. So to hear that it's in top one is actually great because I think everyone has their own battle with healthcare, and someone to kind of be the change that they want to see. And I'm sure that helps them like help people out or be able to, you know, kind of guide people in the right direction in order to get the right uh, care that they need. You know, the thing with healthcare is there's so many options and there's not always a full transparency on what you should be doing or what you should be uh, um, looking into or going to. So I'm all for the healthcare industry rising. It's a need that will always be there where, you know, people are always going to be sick. People are always going to need help. It, it, it's, it's basically one hand in the other. So I really hope to see it booming. I really hope that we get to the point where everyone has some form of using healthcare that doesn't cost them 14 arms and two legs and your baby's first name. <laughs> I agree, man. I mean, you know, uh, healthcare is always going to be a debate in this country, but uh, the one thing you can't debate is trying to provide opportunities for those uh, who need it. So, you know, I'm glad the industry is soaring and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll continue to do well uh, and prolong people's lives in the future. Um, transitioning into our next topic, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the business Kodak, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Kodak uh, had some trouble, uh, you know, stirring up business in the digital age. Uh, it actually went bankrupt in 2012, but it's actually seeing a little bit of a resurgence uh, in 2017. Well, at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, when it announced that it's going to join the cryptocurrency craze and launch its own form of uh, blockchain currency. Uh, which is called Kodak Coin. Now, this coin will be used by photographers to license their work uh, and receive payments on an online platform. So it's basically, you know, getting Kodak to be able to exchange currency without having to use, you know, your dollars or uh, just your any form of currency. So it, it kind of allows you to uh, open up the possibility of, uh, international business without having to deal with transferring uh, money through uh, making sure that you know the exchange rates are even. It kind of you know cryptocurrency kind of puts everybody on the same playing field. So uh, it's pretty interesting that Kodak is going to uh, do this at this time because cryptocurrency is kind of the hot topic nowadays, and the the shareholders of Kodak are definitely buying it because it stock price went up 60% once it announced that they were not launching this. So uh, definitely a good business move for Kodak after five years ago, they were bankrupt to now their stock price is up 60%. Yeah, man, I hope it works out for them. I'm always cautious when it comes to cryptocurrency. I, I remember I, I caught a piece or the Wolf on Wall Street, the infamous Jordan Belfort was, you know, giving his take on cryptocurrency and he, he kind of, foreshadowed that it's going to be one of those things where there's going to be a lot of demand and then one day like the rug's going to get pulled out of everyone and it's going to come down to a crash and fall and ever since then i've kind of been very just like cautiously like because you know that's the thing with these crazes like everyone jumps on them and then if something happens the people who were good before they find the people who weren't and they put all in you know they end up getting screwed over so i hope for kodak's sake and everyone that invests in it, that it, it, it turns out to be the, the hot cake. 
But I, I'm, you know, count me on the side of people who are just like, I don't know. I, I like I like seeing my money tangible in my hand. I don't like the the, the, the eye in the sky to tell me I got two dollars when really, you know, that two dollars could have been gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true, man. It's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting the next couple of years, five, ten years to see where this cryptocurrency thing is going to take us. If it's going to launch and expand or if it's going to flame out. So definitely looking forward to see what that brings in the future. Um, so before, you know, we got to get into our guest this year, our first guest of the new year. Um, we're really excited about him. He, you know, he, uh, when I reached out to this gentleman, he was quick to get back to us, listen to a couple of our episodes and, uh, he was just really hyped to be on the show. So I'm super excited to announce that our first guest of the new year is Mr. Gerald Jones, the second and he is the founder of Buy Black Podcast. So, Emilio, why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell the people a little bit about Gerald Jones? Gerald Jones is an enigma. He was a great guest. He came on here and really delivered. The cool thing about him is that he is very, very much trying to be the center point when it comes to black businesses, black directories, and then pretty much all things black can help us empower as a community. His podcast, I mean, it's a phenomenal one. He basically kind of does what we do where he brings on um, business owners, black business owners, of course, and he has them explain what their product is, their story, and get you to know a little about them and how you can support them. And what's cool about him is that he actually has, you know, you know, his podcast, even though it recently just started in the grand scheme of things, he's still going strong, still putting out episodes. And the cool thing about it is he's just a very honest, genuine guy. He's very open on in our interview. He, he, you know, he, he had a hold back for getting too deep because obviously we, we have a little time limit, but you can tell like he has stories, he has experiences and he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He's very genuine. He's very honest. And it was just an overall pleasure. I think that you as guests are going to learn so much from him because he has a lot of knowledge. We talk about Black Wall Street. We talk about how he got started with podcasting. What are some businesses that he recommends? What are some people in his life that helped them out and what it takes to be a person that can actually help someone out i mean we get through it all so i'm, I'm really excited for you guys to peep this interview because i really do feel like you know we we had we had to do 2018 right give y'all some heat and i'm not gonna lie I, you know i'm still burnt from open the oven <laughs> i feel you man uh and you know he gave us so much heat that he inboxed me in, in my twitter and he said uh you know i was i was replaying the interview and I definitely wanted to make sure I shouted out the right book recommendations because uh, in the later episode that I dropped this week, he gives us his books that he's been reading. But he has uh, more impactful books that he would also like to mention to our audience. So if you guys are interested, he mentions uh, White Rage as a book that you should uh, listen to if you want to learn a little bit more about why the black plight has been stopped in so many uh, circumstances over the years in history so you definitely want to check that out um also he wanted he wanted to mention uh two business books uh one was zero to one by peter thiel and the other one is uh business model generation by alexander osterwalder uh so those two books he says really shaped his business mind and really helped him uh, develop his his businesses and also, you know, helped him start up the Buy Black Podcast uh, website. So definitely check those books out, you know, after you listen to his inspiring interview and uh, want to learn more. 
Exactly. I mean, he's giving you more heat after already dropping off. He, you, you gotta love the guy. He has, he's an amazing person. Great interview. And you know, we, I think we done gushed enough. It's time for you guys to sit back, relax, and let Mr. Gerald Jones take control. We'll be right to that interview after a short commercial break. All right, and we are here today with Mr. Gerald Jones II. He is the founder of the Buy Black Podcast. Gerald, how you doing today? I'm doing real good, man. Thank you for having me on. No, man, thank you for uh, joining us today. We just wanted to kind of jump right into it and tell us about your your podcast and how you got started with it. Absolutely. So the name of the podcast is Buy Black, Buy Black Podcast. Uh, I got started with it uh, back on July 5th of 2017 uh and that date was specifically chosen because i actually started down the road to it a year earlier on july 5th 2016 um when i saw a video of alton sterling being um being gunned down in baton rouge and then immediately after that of course seeing philando castile being gunned down in minneapolis the next day um i i knew at that point that i needed to use my brain and my talents to do something to change the future for the black community. Uh, and over the next nine months, I, I tried to figure out what that would look like. And I ended up looking like a podcast where I interview and promote black business owners uh, to my audience, as well as uh, having them teach how to get started in business in the different types of businesses they're in. And then I have a lot of uh, solo episodes that I do to also um, to teach people how to get started in business. So uh, how I got it started, honestly, it, it was to me a textbook picture of how you're supposed to get something started if you um, if you're motivated. I literally, after nine months of trying to pick this thing apart, I had the idea hit me by Black Podcast, and immediately I said, somebody's got to be doing this already. So I went out to research it to see who's got a buy black podcast or a podcast like it. There was nothing on any of the networks. There was no iTunes. There was no nothing. I was like, there's no way nobody's doing a buy black podcast with all this buy black movement going on. There was nothing. So I moved quick. I actually uh, drafted up an email, just a cold email. And I went out to a black business blog and I found 20 businesses that were being promoted that were pretty new at the time. And I sent cold emails to all the owners and on those 20 cold emails, I got 10 responses and I got five people who said, I want to be a part of that. So on a cold email, getting a 50% response rate and 25% uh, commitment, I was like, I, I have something here. I'm scratching an itch. Go farther, go faster. And so over the course of two months from, from April to June, you know, I pulled together. I learned all the things I need to learn to get a podcast started. You know, I uh, signed up with Libsyn, already had a microphone that was pretty good, uh, and, and I learned how to um, how to put those pieces together, which really it's not a lot. You know, Libsyn, you got a microphone, you learn how to do some editing with Audacity, and boom, you got a show. And that's literally how it came together. Um, I, I piecemealed it over two months, got my first interviews done in June. Um, and then launched my first episode on July 5th, again, because I wanted to get that at the anniversary of, of Alton Sterling being killed in, in Baton Rouge, because that really was the moment that kind of hit my heart and said, you have to do something. So I was glad I was able to hit that date. 
And it's crazy, like, hearing that whole journey, because that's definitely reminiscent of what me and Paul went through when we first started educating us. So, you know, we can, we can, we definitely felt you when you were saying audacity and, 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 and just taking, you know, simple things to begin the podcast, because it's just like, you know, it, it brings us back to the moment when we first started. So I kind of want to ask, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you're pretty, you're pretty deep in the, in the episodes. So could you kind of list, like, what are some top episodes, let's say like three, that you recommend our guests to listen to to really have them get a feel for the buy black podcast all right so if i only got to get three um i'm gonna cheat a little bit (laughs) i'm gonna say the the very first episode episode zero which is you know the purpose mission and vision for the podcast that lays out everything that i just said about what made me start it and also what i want to accomplish with it i think the audio is horrible i think the editing is horrible I was really nervous, but you know what? Everybody who's listened to it has told me it was a great way to start the podcast and it tells people exactly what it's about. So that's the number one episode I'd say listen to. And then it'll also, when you listen to further episodes, you can kind of hear where I'm not as nervous. Um, the second episode that I'm going to say listen to is my cheat. Uh, I did a four part series that is called episode four, but it's actually four episodes, A, B, C, and D, but I'm cheating. That's one episode. And that four part series is on how to start your own business. And the first episode in that series is, you know, five things that you don't need to start a business and three things you do. Um, The second one is, you know, how to create a business model, a business plan using one single sheet of paper. Um, The third one is the advantages and disadvantages of doing an LLC versus a corporation versus an S corp or a sole proprietorship or partnership and what all the benefits are of each one of those advantages, disadvantages. And then the fourth part of that is how to, um, how to actually set up your LLC things that you need to know before you go out and pay a company four or five, $600 to submit some paperwork for you that you could literally do yourself and submit the same day. Um, so, so that is my second episode that, episode four, four part series. And then I would say if you wanted to hear an episode um, that could give you a feel for like the interviews, it's hard for me to say between episode five and and episode 22, the one I just did, they're both so dope. Um, So I'm also going to cheat again. Episode five was with a friend of mine that I grew up with, Brandon Campbell. That, That man dropped so many golden gems in that episode. I can't not say that one. But I feel like the last episode I just did, I'm coming into my stride as an interviewer. And that was probably the strongest episode, in my opinion, episode 22 with Rashida Hawthorne. So I gave you four. I know you asked for three, but, you know, four. We won't, we won't, hold, it. We won't hold it against it, you know. Right. You're proud of the baby. Right. Yeah, I am, man. I am. It's, it's growing. I am. I'm very proud of where it's going. And it's not for me. It's for it's for the community. So. I definitely agree, man. And uh, I had when I when I saw the uh, episode for the four piece, uh, I was like, "Damn, I should have listened to the LLC one because I definitely made that mistake and paid a company to do it for me." So I wish I had got to that sooner. Yeah, man, that one was that was the highest downloaded episode I had for the longest time. I mean, long after it came out, it just kept getting hits, hits, hits. So yeah, it's a strong one, uh, not because of me, but because it's information that people need. And that we rarely get in our conversations around the dinner table in our black households. I agree, man. Definitely agree. And uh, I definitely wanted to explore your mind as an entrepreneur. Um, 
I want you spent some time in the military and you said it influenced you to become an entrepreneur. Can you kind of explain that to the audience? Yeah, so I I I'm still in the military. Technically, I'm in the uh, Air National Guard, 18 years in. I'm I'm going to retire here in a couple. Um but I was in the Marine Corps before I was in the Air Guard. Um in this 18 years, I I can say I saw this question and I and I thought about how I was going to answer this one. I can tell you the thing that the military has done to influence me in being an entrepreneur is really more about being a leader. Um in any environment and as an entrepreneur it it applies as well but specifically i would say there are a few people when i was in the marine corps who taught me lessons in life and in leadership that have literally shaped my life over the last 15 or 16 years specifically there was a guy named Trey Jingles uh, we called him captain uh, captain america he was like five foot three, five foot four, a uh, little stocky guy, but he was terrifying. And um, but he had these things we call jingleisms. He had these amazing lessons that he would teach in like one or two words. And um, specifically, the one that I learned the worst, the one that has stuck with me and turned me into a lot of the person I am now. Um, there was, and I'm gonna keep this very, very succinct. So I'm gonna cut a bunch of it out, but. Basically, there were three of my buddies. We had all just gotten promoted, and we were new squad leaders for the first time. And he was our platoon commander. Uh, he asked us to get something done, and we argued over the way to get it done. And we eventually just went back to him and said, "Sir, we think we all think you want to do it this different way. What's the right way?" His his response was, "Go get a go get me your first fire team leader. Each one of you." So we went and got that first fire team leader, came back to him. He said, you three are fired. You three, I need y'all to go do this thing for me. And then for the rest of that day, we were taking orders from these guys that we outrank. And, um, you know, later on that night, Marines go, you know, we're out in the field. Marines go, they hit, they hit the rack. And he calls us over to, you know, his sleeping bag or whatever. And he's like, you know, I've I've been enlisted before. I've been in your shoes. I know how to do your job. I know how to be a squad leader, right? But if I'm over here doing your job, who's going to do my job? It's like, don't ever ask me how to do something that I've told you to do again. When I tell you to do something, you figure out how it's going to get done. And then, of course, we got our jobs back. From that day forward, I have never asked somebody how to do something that they asked me to get done. And usually when they say they want something done, I just say, you know what, stop talking. I got it. And I go. And then I figure out how to do it myself. And in that, I learned creativity. I learned creative problem solving. I learned how to how to use resources that are available to me right in front of me rather than trying to make everything perfect. And and that lesson in and of itself had skyrocketed my professional career. And it also skyrockets everything that I do as an entrepreneur in, in this uh, project specifically, it's helped out tremendously. So uh, I think out of everything in the 18 years of the military, that one lesson has carried me further in life than anything else I've ever learned. And that's, that's a deep lesson. That was an interesting story too. I mean, really puts you in the shoes and make you think about, you know, just life in general that's crazy that, you know, lessons like that are what sticks you the most and make you realize, all right, I, I got to always be on my toes, got to be on my guard. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it 
it really does highlight, you know, people, high functioning people, leaders at the top of organizations, they don't want people around them that they have to babysit. They don't want yes men around them either. They want to be surrounded by people who are capable of solving problems when they're put in front of them because that's less stuff they have to worry about. So it's the same thing if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm networking with people, people want to network with somebody who they can say, I need this help. And, they, and that person says, I got you. And they don't ask any more questions and then they make it happen. That's, that's how you build relationships. That's how you grow. Being a type of person who just sees a problem and can say, you don't worry, I got this. And then just go and solve that problem. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think that's a phenomenal way of putting it. So, I, I mean, I kind of want to focus back on the, on the Buy Black podcast. Obviously, you've, caught, you've had a list of tremendous guests. I'm sure there's been you know memorable ones. Could you actually tell us, like, just from uh, your guests that you've had on, could you tell us some black business that you actually suggest our audience look into? Yeah. And see, with that one, I'd have to tell you all of them because they've all been in different industries. I mean, they're, um, you know, my very first guest, Daniel Labaraha, he he just graduated from Cornell University. This man created his own shoe company because he loves shoes. And he grew up not being able to get the expensive shoes his buddies got, so he would design them. And then he started his own shoe company. My wife and I bought a pair of them each. They're so freaking comfortable, like amazing, amazing people. Um, oh, man, everybody is so good. Um, it, it is just hard for me. To, how many How many can I give you? That'll that'll help me out. Uh, well, since you did four <laughs> last time, we'll, we'll give you four, so you got three slots left. <laughs> okay. All right. I got three slots left. So let's go. Let's jump all the way forward to my man, Jamel LaBranch. He actually works at the base that I work at. We played ball together for a couple years. Didn't even know, you know, the guy's name because that's how basketball goes. He actually started a company called FIF Shades. Uh, Faith is Fuel. Uh, his story is amazing. He actually, um, you know, as a young man, he lost his older sister that was taking care of him. And then as an adult, he lost a younger sister. And, and he had to find faith um, to continue being a positive guy, right? And, and he started this sunglass company where he's got these amazing designer shades, and, and they're ridiculously trendy. They, they are way too cool for me. Um, but he uses the profits from his company in order to come and give back to the community here in Omaha. Um, amazing guy. Um, same thing, the woman I just interviewed Rashida Hawthorne. She's got a company called Glam Bulb. Uh, she actually has light bulbs that are designed for doing your makeup because I didn't even know this was a problem. But apparently if you do your makeup in the kind of indoor light people normally do it in, then you get mismatched makeup. You got a face different color than your neck. And I, I don't know. Women, anybody who puts on makeup will probably be nodding yes, yes, yes. Well, she's got a light bulb that is designed it's coated with minerals that basically make it give out a pure white light the way that the sun's light is. It's a full spectrum light. So when you're doing your makeup under her bulb, you're going to see your face the way you would be seen out in the sun. So when you do your makeup and you walk outside, it's going to look the same. Uh, these bulbs I actually just got in my office and I'm using them to improve the lighting when I do video. They're amazing. Uh, that's three. Uh, I can only give you one more, and that stinks, but I'm just going to go with uh, Nika, Nika Brown-Massey. She actually started a, um, 
a school supply company, Innovative Supplies, that she went to Instagram. She found these black artists and she basically licensed the art from these black artists and then created school supplies with positive images of black culture on the school supplies. So kids can actually go to school with supplies that represent their culture, that represent us positively. Uh, so many people that I've interviewed so far that that are just doing amazing things out here in the world. It's really hard to pick. I'm sorry for y'all that if y'all listen to this and I didn't say your name. I'm so sorry, Mike and everybody else. Like, I'm on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. It'll just it, You can't give them the whole thing on this podcast because we uh, want people to come and listen to your podcast. I, I do too, mm-hmm. man. But it's you asked me about these people I've interviewed. I mean, I have so much admiration for every single person I've had on the show. So I get emotional when I want to talk about everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all good, man. And, and those are all great ideas for starting a business. Um, I wanted to kind of get into... Uh, some of the more inexpensive ways to start a business for someone who doesn't have much capital. Uh, can you provide some insight on, on that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually a few ideas. I actually did an episode that was 15 businesses you can start at any time or place. So if we, people want to check that out, there's a lot of ideas there, but specifically the, the best businesses that I know that you can start with very little money. The very first one is you can start selling stuff on Amazon. Um, there's a concept called retail arbitrage and plug in more shows. I've got a show episode 15 that talks about how to start an Amazon business for less than $500. But you, there's a way you can do something called retail arbitrage. You basically go out to Walmart, Target, any place that's got a clearance aisle and you have an app on your phone and you can just scan items that are on clearance, see what they're selling for on Amazon and these apps will actually show you the profit that you you would make if you put it on Amazon. So you just go out, you find products that you can buy at the right price, you throw them up on Amazon, you make a profit, boom, you're in business. Um, I started that around the same time that I started prepping for this podcast, and I was making a profit within a month because it's a very low cost to get in. I actually spent about $200 uh, on my first products and I spent maybe about a hundred dollars getting everything set up through Amazon and things like that. So, you know, less than 500 bucks, I was in business. Now I do it occasionally, you know, when, when I find a good product, this, that, and the other, but otherwise it's just kind of sitting there and it's a, it's a money machine. Uh, another great, um, business that you could start for very little money is a drop shipping business. Uh, that episode I just talked to you about with Rashida Hawthorne, she actually, her first business before Glambulb was a drop shipping business. And with that, basically all that you need the money for is to set up a website, to set up an e-commerce website. Because with drop shipping, you basically don't take ownership of a product that you're selling to people. You just make a connection with a manufacturer and you negotiate a price with them for your cost for their inventory, but you don't actually buy the inventory. And so what you do is once you've got that agreement with that manufacturer, you set up your website, you get the pictures for the inventory that you're going to be selling on that website, and then people come to your website and they buy. When they buy from you and they spend that money, you just basically send the money to the manufacturer for the product. They send it out to the customer directly. You keep the profit in between. So it's very low cost to get started because you don't have to buy any inventory. 
So there's there's two very quick and easy, very low cost businesses that you can start if you don't have a lot of capital. That is a lot to think about. I had to like sit there and just like analyze for a second. <laughs> I can slow down and go back. I'm I'm trying to keep us on schedule. That's why I'm going so fast. But I can definitely slow down and, and no, go no, you're you're, you're yeah. doing fine. It's just like you know, you know, it's like someone asked for water and and, and you drop the ocean on them. You just you gotta you gotta make your way to the top. But no, I think I I think what you're you're, you're offering the gospel here. But um, I guess I really want to keep keep moving and ask you this question. Obviously, you know, from just being here and answering the questions, you you you. You seem like you, you you know you have your head in the right place and you have it together. Could you kind of tell us like you know who were your mentors and how did you recommend how do you recommend people who are looking for that that leadership and that guidance go about actually reaching out and finding mentors? Yeah. So the first question, who are my mentors? I cannot tell you how long the list is of the people that I have that are mentors. Um, I am constantly seeking new mentors and I'm constantly seeking to mentor people. Um, I tell people growing up now, growing up, I had both my mom and my dad in the household. Um, but I tell people all the time I had at least a dozen dads growing up because my mentors were the men in my church, my basketball coaches, my baseball coaches, my, you know, my dad's best friends. And it's all those male father figures that I had growing up were my first mentors. But since I got into the corporate world that I'm in now, Finding a mentor is a much more um, detailed process. And I can tell I can tell you anybody who wants to find a mentor, the best thing that you can absolutely do is you can start looking in your particular area, in, in your local area, and look for those people in the community who have a face in the community who are doing something that you feel like you want to do. Or you look at somebody and, and if you know their story, you can learn their story. You see somebody who came from a place that's very similar to where you came from and that has gotten to a place that you want to go. Those are the people you want to find as mentors because a mentor relationship is not a, a business-like relationship. It's very personal. It should be. And so you want to find somebody you can connect with, you can care, connect with their story, and they can, they can connect with you. But then when you do that, when you go to find that mentor, you want to be assertive, reach out to this person and you want to go at it and say, hey, I'm very interested in learning from you. Is there any way that I can be of service? Here are the skills I have. Here's the education I have. Here's who I network with now. I just want to find out what is it that I can do for you because I'm very interested in learning from you. When you come at anybody, anybody from a standpoint of, I want to serve you, then what you're asking for is, is nowhere near as, as daunting as if you just came up and said, hey, can you mentor me? Can you teach me something? Can you network with me? What can you do for me? Anything that you do, whether it's finding a mentor or just networking with peers, you come at people and you say, what can I do for you? Here's my skills. And I guarantee you, you will find ready and willing mentors in your community who are ready to help you out because that's what a mentor is looking for. Somebody who's hungry to serve. I agree, man. I definitely think you hit on all those points because I've, I've read so many articles about finding mentors and mentoring and you hit on all the points. So 
definitely uh, definitely some great advice for our listeners out there. Um, I wanted to you know get into uh, the second part of your podcast. Uh, it's also it's called the Buy Black Podcast, but the moniker of it is Build the New Black Wall Street. Yeah. So for our listeners out there, can you kind of explain what Black Wall Street was? And do you think we're on the way of recreating it one day? Yeah, absolutely. So plug in an episode. If you look at episode 6B of my podcast, it's called Labor Relations and Black Economics in the Early 20th Century. I talk in that episode about, um, about Black Wall Street and other locations that were like it. So in short, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, actually Greenwood was a neighborhood back in the early 1900s there was a thriving black community. Now, of course, we know under Jim Crow, there were um, black people in the South had to buy in their own communities, had to live in their own communities. We were segregated. We weren't allowed to be anywhere else. Well, even outside of the South, there were certain other places where you just know there's the black community and then there's everywhere else. Well, in Greenwood, there was a thriving black business community and it came to be known as Black Wall Street. And it was one of several. There were, there were black Wall Streets all over the country, but this was one of the most famous. They had, um, there were doctors, there were lawyers, they had their own bus lines, they had their own hospitals, schools, businesses, and it was all black owned. And because the community was so small and because the money circulated inside the community so much, Wealth just sprung through this community because the dollar just turned over and over and over. And what ended up happening is that this small community of black people had way more wealth in it than the surrounding white communities. And of course, we can't let that happen. So in June of 1921, under the the guise of, oh, this, uh, this black guy raped this white woman or this black guy said something that he shouldn't have to this white woman the same way that it happened over and over and over again in our history this happened in greenwood and what sparked from that lie was what they call a race riot but i don't like that terminology because it wasn't a race riot it was a massacre the white community literally went through and they burned it down They burned that entire black neighborhood down. They killed upwards of two, some reports say over 300 black people. They burned down houses. They burned down businesses. And they even air bombed, you know, and this was in the early 1920s. So they just barely had planes and they were basically they used the planes they had to drop fire on that area. And they basically burned it down. And then the state of Oklahoma did not allow anybody to come in from the outside to provide uh, financial support for them to build it back. And so this was only one example of of our communities being burned down, our, our wealthy communities being burned down in the early 20th century, but it's the most famous one. And so when we talk about build the new Black Wall Street, it's not going to be a physical place like that again, right? We're, we're in the 21st century. It's 2018. Black Wall Street is going to be digital. It's going to be a collective movement of, of the black community to spend its money in black owned businesses and rotate that money in black owned businesses. And even better, to start growing in the supply chain and getting our supplies and our resources from black owned businesses. Because the more that you own in that vertical, in, in that vertical um, supply chain from the ground to the table, 
the the more wealth that you're going to build at every single stage. And so the new black Wall Street is going to be uh, a digital movement for us to to spend more of our money in the black community at all different levels. Now, as to whether or not we're moving to it right now, I'd say we want to. I mean, if you look online, there's there's multiple different black owned business directories. There's a new one popping up every day. There's new apps popping up every day. Right. But it's very disjointed. It's all over the place. It's part of the reason why I started this podcast. I didn't want to do another black owned business directory. Right. It doesn't mean anything. But my website, I've got a page that has links to every single black owned business directory I could find. You come to my spot, you get all the resources that you need. And that's my intent. I want to bring some order to this chaos so that we can start moving towards building that new black Wall Street. And, and we don't have to do it by all having one big leader like Martin Luther King or Malcolm X again. We just need to have a spot where we could come together and where we know we can trust that we're going to get the resources we need. And I feel like that's what I'm trying to build. Whew. I, I hope y'all listening, man. He, he delivering something right here. And I think it's just it's just amazing that you're, you're, you're kind of being that one stop spot. As you said, if they come to your crib, people have options of where they can go to just to find more about black owned businesses and what they can do to support. I kind of want to take a different direction. Um, you're a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity, Inc. Um, with all fraternities, especially, you know, Greek life represented ones. There's, there's, everyone has opinions on them. There's stigmas against them. There's, there's positive against them. I kind of want to just ask you your perspective. What was your experience, you know, in Phi Beta Sigma? And could you tell it how it sh- could you tell us how it shaped you into the person, or should I say, the man you are today? Yes. Yeah, so this was one of the ones where I knew I was like probably not gonna get you the answer that you think you might get. But you know, yes, I I pledged in Phi Beta. Eta Sigma at uh, Lambda Eta Chapter, Arkansas State University in the fall of 2001. And um, I will just be completely transparent and honest. The experience that I had as an undergrad was not good. Um, but it, it, I would not say that that's on Phi Beta Sigma. I would say that every single campus you go to is going to have a different culture. Uh, and every chapter of every fraternity or sorority on that campus is going to have its own culture based on the people who were there. The men that were in that chapter when I was there are phenomenal men. They are they are absolutely my brothers and they have all gone on to do incredible things in this world. I didn't fit. I, I didn't fit in their culture. Uh, and so I I pledged. Sigma because I was dating a Zeta. So I ended up hanging around a bunch of Sigmas. And so that was who I felt like I belonged with, you know, but I was 19 years old. I I didn't really know myself. I didn't know who I was going to be. I just knew that I, you know, I love this girl and, you know, her friends were all, were all very cool. So I I pledged Sigma and, you know, not long after I did, I, I had a falling out with most of the guys who were, who were in the, um, who were in the chapter and then I ended up kind of just not being around very much because I didn't feel comfortable and again nothing on on the fraternity and nothing on them I just wasn't a good fit for their culture um, and in, in all reality if I could go back and do it again um, this is not going to be popular but you know my entire family is alphas and AKs 
if I could go back and do it again, I either wouldn't pledge because I'm not really a fraternity person. I don't really need that kind of uh, fit in. At that point, I thought I did, but but I don't. So I'd either not pledge or I would probably pledge Alpha because that's who everybody in my family is. But as far as the organization itself, you know, the the values the, the uh, of Phi Beta Sigma, I love, you know, uh, my brothers, I love. But as an older man, I can look back and see the lessons I learned and the, and the relationships that I built that I still have today. My line brothers and, and my big brothers and all of them just, I mean, they're brothers. I love them to death. Um, but in that moment, I did not have a, a good experience at all. And I, I like that take because, you know, the lesson there is you, you recognize that it wasn't for you and you you didn't try to convince yourself otherwise. I think a lot of people when, you know, Greek life is involved, they might have that feeling of it's not for them, but feel pressured that, oh, I have to make it work because I'm here. I'm supposed to be enjoying it. So I thought that your your answer and your take was refreshing because you, you openly said, you know, I, it, it wasn't a fit for me. I, I love the people. I love what organization stands for. I just know that I personally do not have the same alignment in what they're doing and, and what their goals are. So, I mean, like I said, I commend you for the answer because I feel like it's very honest and it's also very it's a it's a lesson to be taught to let people know that, you know, they can relate to, hey, just because you're in something doesn't mean, you know, it has to stay that way. You always have the option to be true to yourself and realize when something's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah. And the pressure is going to be there. I mean, the pressure was definitely there. Why aren't you around? Why aren't you this? Why aren't you that? It's like, you know what? It's not for me. And then as we got older and we graduate and we go to different places, those relationships stayed. But I never succumbed to the pressure of, well, I got to be here because I'm supposed to be here. You know, now when I see my frat brothers, it's because I want to see them. Right. I'm happy to see them. There's not that that undergrad pressure, but it is a high pressure situation when you're undergrad of once you're in, you better show your face and be here. And I've always been the kind of guy that's like, you're not going to no. like that just makes me not want to come around more. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing about fraternities and most importantly, black fraternities, is uh, they can kind of use their power to use their, you know, their status, their level to do work in the communities. Do you think that's something that uh, fraternities don't take advantage of um, as far as uh, getting out there and in, in, into the communities? Or do you think that it's probably advanced since you've been, uh, you know, since the days that you've pledged? Well, I can tell you, even in the days that I pledged, Lambda Ada was completely in- invested in the community and uh, doing volunteer work. That that was always a part of our chapter. And it wasn't just talk. We went out and actually did it and made things happen. I mean, that I everything about both the organization and the chapter functioned. It was a high functioning chapter. And I think that that's one of the great things about black fraternities and sororities. All that I have seen um, have have all been active in the community. I, and Everything from mentoring high school and junior high school students to going out and and volunteering with less fortunate people, that's always been my experience. But again, that's it's different locations. You know, I think your your black uh, fraternities and sororities in the South tend to be bigger and they tend to be more active and engaged in their communities uh, from from what I've seen since I moved to the Midwest or when I moved to California they're very few and far between and they don't really have the resources. 
But where I grew up down in Little Rock, man, uh, I mean, it was you couldn't go anywhere without seeing somebody with with the colors on. And it was always positive. You know, you'll get wild at the parties, but out in the community, I've always seen a positive move from all of the black fraternities and sororities. I'm very proud of them for that. And that is what we look forward to. I mean, it's, it's definitely amazing to see people have pride and unity and know that there's that camaraderie and that shared experience of, you know, there's, a, there's this moment in time where you, you guys feel it and you're in the zone and you know that you're working with, you know, your brothers and hand-to-hand trying to build something and make something greater. So I think that's the, 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 the positive of fraternities that, you know, people should try and focus on. Obviously, like I said, there's a lot of stigmas and everything, but I do think the positives outweigh the negative. I want to ask you about one of your side businesses because you're you're a man of many trades, a, a, a jack of all trades. So you have your hands dabbled in a lot of things. I know you already told us, but you know, off air, you you have five jobs. So I guess let's talk about one of your jobs. Could you tell us about um, Haptic Consulting and what services that you offer? So great question about Haptic Consulting. Um, the very short answer to that is right now, no services. So let me tell you about Haptic. Haptic Consulting was the very first idea that I had when I when I first finished my degree and said I'm going to eventually be a performance consultant because I'm a I'm a training professional. That's the thing that I do. Uh, I'm a certified you know professional in learning and performance. One of my side jobs is going out and teaching people uh, training evaluation and certifying them on that. And so that's my world. And eventually. My business is going to be my personal business that makes me money is going to be centered around doing that. And Haptic Consulting is the first LLC that I formed. And so that is that is my business and it exists. And that business owns the projects that I'm working on now. So the I know this isn't the direct answer that you were looking for, but but I want to te- show people how you shape things like this. Right. So the company owns the Buy Black Podcast project. The Buy Black Podcast project exists to do the things that I've already said, to to grow black owned businesses, to get them more exposure and to teach people how to start their businesses. And I'm giving away all of this free content and free access and connecting these people here. And I built this platform at buyblackpodcast.com. And you're going to come there and you're going to get all of these resources and you're going to connect with all these people and you're going to find all these episodes. You're going to get all this knowledge. And over the next two to three years, that website is going to become massive and people are going to be exchanging value on my website constantly. Well, where does that put me? Dead center of it. So at the point where... I pivot from my corporate job, which I love, right? The company that I love. But when I pivot from my corporate job and I say, okay, now it's time for me to go out and make my own money as a consultant. I'm not going to have to go out and market myself to people and say, hey, I'm Gerald Jones. I train people. I can train your people. I can teach you how to do it better. No, I'm not going to have to do that. I'm just going to go to my platform that already has existed for two to three years, giving value to people that has changed in the world. And I'm going to say, oh, hey, guys, by the way, guess what I'm doing now? Let me know what you need. How much easier is it then for me to get the clients that I need who trust me, who know that I'm going to give them high value and quality without going out and spending a bunch of money advertising to people who don't know me and don't care about me, throwing them sales pitches. So 
there is a two-sided prong to this project that I'm doing. It's all about the community, but I'm the guy right in the middle of it. So when it's time for Haptic Consulting to be my breadwinner, I'm going to have a, a massive audience of people who already say, Gerald Jones, oh yeah, he's legit. I want him to come to my business and help me with this. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I, I definitely see the blueprint. Um, and it makes sense kind of thinking about all the episodes you have on your podcast. You're like implementing them in real life. So it's not just something that you're you know, talking about. It's something that you're doing. Yes, absolutely. I agree, man. Um, one other topic that you kind of mentioned uh, is that the black communities need to gain a little bit more uh, political power. So I wanted you to touch on some of the ways that people can get into politics that uh, most people are not aware of. Yeah, so it all starts local. Honestly, everything starts local. And the so for me, I am not a a politically active person because that's not my focus. Um, but I I really believe in local politics and getting involved in everything from the lowest level school board meeting all the way to, you know, your town council meetings and things like that. But the, the viewpoint that I have, uh, and I think this is a little different from what other people say, but this is a very key part of my long-term 30-year plan platform. Um, I have a huge problem with the way that the black community has allowed the rest of this nation to get in our minds and divide us by our political views and our political leanings. I am, I am a conservative person, all right? My, I, if you ask me, hey, what, where do you lean politically? conservative 100 percent now do i support this dude who's in office now no he's no uh, i'm not i'm not the white supremacist conservative i'm the malcolm x conservative i don't want this government doing anything around me because all it has ever existed to do was to hurt me and my family right and and, and the black community so i want us to have our own build our own grow our own so that we don't have to ask this government for anything because everything that they give comes with a much much higher price tag than what they gave us so the fact that that in the black community we we call each other names based on our different mental and political belief systems and we and we fight each other and we hate each other and we can't come together and, and do anything. That is all a symptom of this slavery, that mentality that, that has been given to us. If we step back and said, you know what, what do we do well as a people? Well, the the conservative side of the black community does business really well? Does family structure really well? Does values really well? If we stopped fighting each other and took these people in the black community who have this conservative leaning and they focused on teaching our children business and entrepreneurship and values and things like that, and then we took this liberal side of the black community who has always been incredible at infiltrating the government and then changing the laws so that they are more um, they are more um, friendly to us, right? If we took that liberal part of our community and focused on the activism, the the marching, the politics, doing things like just happened in Charlotte and in Raleigh Durham, actually getting elected to local city councils and things like that on the platform, on the black platform is the great thing of not not selling out to do it. 
then over the next 30 years, our, our liberal political leaning community could reshape the laws in this nation while our conservative leaning community can shape our children into entrepreneurs and high performing, highly educated adults that would be coming into this world to take it over at a time where all the rules have been shaped in their favor. And oh, by the way, right around the same time where the white community is no longer going to be a majority in this country. If we started right now using all of that together, 30 years from now, we're, we're going to be in an incredible place. And, and, the, and the importance of that to me is that we are the only people who always are looking right over the edge of our nose. I guarantee you the folks in Washington, they're not doing anything today that's not intended to shape this nation for 20 or 30 years. We need to get in that mindset. What are we doing today that is going to shape our community for the next 20 to 30 years? And we got to start now. That was, I just need, I'm going to need, I'm going to need to listen to this to rewind, you know, rewind, just digest that and sit on that because you, you definitely spoke some truth that needed to be here. And I can't help but agree. I mean, wow. It's it's amazing just hearing that viewpoint. I think, like you said, you know, not something that we're expecting to hear, not the way typically things go, but I think you've outlined a very great course of action, how things should be done and what people should wrap their minds of trying to actually get things done. And, there's so many levels to it. Like you said, you, you get deep and, you know, unfortunately, we don't have time to get into every. Angle. Right, right. <laughs> but, but sadly, we have reached the end of the educator experience. We only have two final questions for you. The famous educators of two piece. The first one is always easy. Can you let the people know how they can get in contact with you? Absolutely, y'all. The number one way to get in contact with me is gerald at buyblackpodcast.com um also i have standalone apps on the apple and android stores uh for buy black podcast so you don't have to go through any podcast networks to get it just download my app directly from that app you can call me or email me all right it's got my phone number right there so you literally just click this uh click the connect button and then Boom, you can dial my number right there. So that's the easiest way to get in contact with me is to download my app from the Apple Store or from the Android Store. And isn't that incredible? You're like the only person we, we <laughs> only person we have a show that has an app that links them right to you. That that's being accessible, people. Take notes. Take Make notes. it easy. Exactly. Exactly. I'll rip my notebook up. I, I gotta start back at square one. Okay. So the last question. No pressure. Just the last question. Just you know, the last thing our audience is gonna hear from you for this interview. Could you leave us some parting words of wisdom? My parting words of wisdom would definitely be that whatever it is that you do in life, you need to take the time to sit down and write down your mission, what it is that you believe you're on this earth to do your vision, the future of this earth, of this planet that you expect to see when you accomplish your mission and your core values, the things that would represent your best you. Because if you do that, you know why you're here, 
you know what you're trying to accomplish, and you know your left and right lateral limits, which means you know the things that you will do and the things that you will never do to accomplish that mission. If you take the time to do that and write those things down and make them real, I guarantee you will go further and faster in life than anybody around you because you know exactly what it is you're here to accomplish, what the ends are going to look like, and you know when to say no to things because they don't fit within your core values, your model of the person that you are. Whew, that right there is how you start 2018 off right. That was some heat. That was some stuff that people need to seriously sit there, take about, think about, put in action, do. I have my notes, my hands trembling, my hands shaking, the pen not even writing, and I still feel like I was touched by everything you just said. Mr. Jones, you have been a charismatic enigma. You have come to the show and you've really outlined not only your viewpoint, but also your thoughts, your experiences and why. I firmly believe that if you have not done so already, go out and look for his podcast by Black Podcasters so you guys can hear just more from what this great man is saying. I, I appreciate you coming on to the show today. I think you've really set it off right and being our being our uh, first guest of 2018. I don't think we could have picked a better person. I appreciate that. And let me toss y'all one bonus. An hour before I got on the phone with you, I finished adding another piece to my website. I now have a section on there where you can go and whatever state you're in, I've got the .gov website for the online portal to submit business paperwork to that state directly on my website. So whatever state you're in, if you need to start an LLC, a corporation, a DBA for your sole proprietor, whatever it is, and you don't know where to go, Go to my website, literally in the menu, it says start a business in your state and the link directly to the government page, the .gov page for your state is right on that page. I'm all about making it easy. No excuses in 2018. We're going to get it. No excuses, man. The people, you just, you just, you got it all. Well, we just appreciate you coming on to the show today, Mr. Jones. I appreciate y'all having me. This has been an incredible experience. I love it. And there you have it, folks. That was Gerald Jones the second leading us into 2018 with the fire. Emilio, what'd you think, man? It's always a pleasure to start 2018 off with a bang like that. And Gerald definitely provided that heat by Black Podcast. You have to check it out. You really got to sit there and listen to it. He's bringing heat. He's delivering episodes. He's already so many episodes into the game. You got to help and, and, uh, and basic support. And he really came on here the other day. I think he put a lot of, a lot of contexts and, and ideas that I know I wasn't thinking about, but just makes so much sense. And we don't have the gem ringer anymore. But if it did, it would have been going off the hook. It would have been going haywire because that man is a walking, and I repeat this, a walking gem machine. I agree, man. Just... All the different topics that he breeds, whether it be politics, business, entrepreneurship. I mean, Gerald seemed to have a great answer for every aspect of business. And the fact that he is able to uh, have not only his podcast, but all the different links and resources on his website to help redirect anybody who got inspired by one of his episodes, wants to take action now. He makes it super easy for you to kind of use his technology, his platforms 
to get started with your own business. So you definitely got to appreciate an entrepreneur like Gerald, who's able to be such an expert in so many fields. And he also has a way of doing it to where it's genuine. It doesn't sound robotic. It doesn't sound difficult. He makes it pretty easily consumed. And I'm sure his listeners of his podcast are appreciative of the knowledge that he drops on the podcast. This man speaks nothing but facts, but I'm going to speak nothing but truth. (laughs) (laughs) We have now reached the point of the podcast experience that you have all been waiting for. That is how you, yes, you can reach us. Educate can reach a variety of means on social media. We are on Snapchat at Educate Hustle. That's all one word. Educate Hustle. There you post snaps, little behind the scene things to help keep you updated on what we are doing. Of course, keep you inspired throughout the week. We are also on Instagram at Educate Hustle Podcast. Once again, that is Educate Hustle Podcast. There you post little snippets of videos and highlights and of course captions of about our latest episode that let you know what we are bringing to the table this week and if you're lucky you ask nicely palm might curate some inspirational fire to get you through the week and then of course if you want you can like our page on facebook it's very easy to do all you have to do is go to facebook type in educate us so that's two words once you type it in, you'll see that logo that you all know and love. Hit that and hit like, follow, whatever you got to do to make sure you stay up to date with all the latest Educated Hustle happenings. Now, I got to take a break from that plugging to get into some more plugging. If you have not done it already, please rate and review the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. It's so easy to do. If you're on your iPhone, all you got to do is go to that Purple Mic um, app, sign in. Once you do that, you type in Educate Hustle, two words, you'll see our show logo pop up. You click it, and then you scroll down a little bit. It'll say write a review. Once that button prompt comes up, you want to be sure you give us that five, 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 five star review. And then you want to write an episode title, and then you want to write a review summary. It could be something short as it's lit or something long, deep, complex, and spiritual such as it's still lit. Either way, please, if you haven't already, rate and review the show. When you rate and review the show, that means that our awareness goes up which then means our guests go up, which then means more shows, which equals better quality for you guys. So please, please, please rate and review the show. Now let me get out of that plugging and go right back into my initial plugging. If you have not already, please follow us on Twitter at educator underscore hustle. Once again, that is educator underscore hustle. Please, please, please follow us. (laughs) We tweet out daily. It's probably the best way to follow us. Probably the best way to get at us because it goes right to our phone. So if you haven't already, follow us once again at educated underscore hustle. And then last but not least, if you really feel like the show made you feel some type of way or you got a spiritual awakening or you just want to collab or be on the show, do not hesitate to email us at educatehustlepodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is educatehustlepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, sir. And you know what you got to do, man. It's 2018. It might be a new year, but you got to keep the same format and lead us out, bro. Lead us out. It would have been cool if you said it might be a new year, but you got to keep the same hustle. That would have been a cool time. <laughs> I would have been I would have been more motivated. No, um <laughs> people people as we enter this 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 uh 
new week of 2018, it, it, it feels crazy knowing that you're once again on the cusp of doing something that you always wanted to do. You have another year to start that business, to take that trip, to make this money. You know, do not let yourself be intimidated because while the year may have changed, your surroundings may have not, your circumstances may have not. You're working towards making that change. And this could be the dawn of a new era. You've heard our guest today. Gerald say he has a mission to try and unite all these black businesses, all these black directors, all under one place under his roof. He sees a vision. Have the vision for your own life so you too can make those changes and you too can become a hub for what you want to be or what you're striving to be. I salute to all those who are currently doing and I just say what you're waiting for to all those that want to. Exactly. And you got to make sure you stay educated and keep hustling.